all, this is Austin of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. Um, we normally wouldn't do something like this, but after me and David talked it over and we felt that given the content of the episode, that this would be appropriate. So officially, this is a content warning. Uh, this episode features a, rel- a rather lengthy discussion on two different storylines that are explicitly about alleged or uh, sexual assault and other sexual misconduct. Um, the timestamp for that conversation is roughly 16 minutes and 15 seconds, so 16.15, to roughly 43 minutes, 5 seconds, so 43.05. Um, so if you do not wish to listen to this storyline if it would be potentially uncomfortable or triggering for you to do so that is the time stamp you time stamp you can go ahead and skip over that portion of the episode uh in addition right before we start talking about it we do have a episode in episode discussion about putting a content warning here at the beginning so if you want to skip it that gives you a heads up that now is the time to uh, either skip ahead or be prepared to continue listening on uh, with that in mind, um, please enjoy our episode 59 as we continue the Katie Vick arc. Hello, all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast taped on Twitch and brought to you on YouTube, on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. I haven't watched nearly as much wrestling. And let, let me just say that I'm feeling rather vindictive at the moment because I, I have been reminded that, that my dear friend, my wonderful co-host Austin here, um, does not always all his past follies and has already begun to uh, reap what he has sown a little <laughs> bit in the course of this particular arc. Uh, hey, buddy, how's the reaping going? Man, fuck this. Fuck that. What the fuck? <laughs> That's what I have to say. <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. How you do- doing? How 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 does it do to, you know, pick out uh pick out a, a, an arc specifically designed to piss me off? Uh and then only realize, oh wait, yeah, I also have to do a decent amount of suffering in this too. How how how's that feel? It is the sa- it feels the same way that it feels every time, and that I will never stop doing it. God damn it. I will I will learn absolutely zero lessons from this. I am a protagonist in an episodic television show where I learn nothing. <laughs> Status quo is Everything yada, yada, resets. Yada. Everything, Everything resets. resets every time. We ain't fucking serialized here on the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. I will have no arc. No, no, no character arcs whatsoever, which hey, pretty goddamn fitting for the era that we're in. I have to say, yes. Um, uh, As, I, 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 I just... kind of stop beating around the bush. We are continuing the Katie Vick saga here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. One of the most infamously bad storylines in WWE and potentially all of wrestling history. This is, yeah, yeah. Um, we didn't get much of that storyline last time around, except for a little drop at the end. That up up until this point, babyface Kane is actually a murderer. <laughs> but we sir, we sure got a bunch of other infuriating bullshit. And I just feel the need to share what 
what you made today as you were prepping for this episode of, uh, <clears throat> I had fun at the time, but listening back, I'm just dying of cringe having to explain a burst of the Ruthless Aggression Era to you. And that's what this is. That My friends, strap in. We are in for non-stop cringe for the next several yeah. hours. Buckle the fuck up, kids. Yeah. And I must say, David, I have to, I have to disappoint you in that uh, last time I swore that this time was the moment. T-M-C-R. Except uh, I actually didn't have the plotting of this art correctly because I thought the moment T-M-C-N-R was before their pay-per-view match. Oh, no. It's after their pay-per-view match. This story is plotted extremely weird in that it is set up, it is structured as a way to get Kane to fight Triple H at the pay-per-view. Except the pay-per-view match is the midpoint of the storyline. And the most controversial part of the storyline happens after the pay-per-view, and their final blow-off match happens a week after the pay-per-view. What? It is so odd and out of character for how WWE structures storylines. I didn't even really know how to handle it. So, so let, let me get this straight. They dropped the Katie Vick shit. And we don't get more. We don't get a whole lot more of that until, until after. Ugh, fuck. What, what pay-per-view is it? No mercy. No mercy. Thank you. Yeah, we don't we don't get much more of that shit after No Mercy. Well, not quite. Tonight, what we're going to be getting is basically the backstory, the origin story of it all, the explanation of what happened to Katie Vick. But the controversial moment that everybody remembers from the storyline is next time. So we're still waiting. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can live with that. I as, as long as I'm not being strung along for minimal katie vick content and just instead having to door endure the rest of the ruthless aggression era no i would have just skipped bullshit. ahead i would have just skipped ahead okay. if there was no important anything important in, on this episode okay okay that's for okay i have my fucking jerry lawler effigy at the ready to snap his neck whenever i'm pissed off at, at this dude or or just to use him as a symbol for my anger at the at the rest of this goddamn era i got him i got him right here right we're gonna be okay so uh what happened last time uh so we've already kind of covered a lot the katie vick aspect of it is that kane is the new number one contender for triple h's world heavyweight championship and to add some spicy spice kane is now triple h is accusing kane have having murdered someone in his past yep. and so on this episode we're gonna get the grand retcon that is the entire Katie Vick story. <laughs> cool, cool. You love to see it. I, I am slightly uh, concerned for 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 how the fuck we're gonna one of the greatest character reveals of all time and destroy it with a dumb retcon. But it's okay, right? Uh, otherwise. Uh, Kane is basically the man with all the gold. He is the Intercontinental Champion, having beaten Chris Jericho for it. And he is one half of the Tag Team Champions with the Hurricane as Hurricane. Mm. 
<clears throat> and including having won a TLC match by himself. Which, I have to admit, pretty solid match, actually. I'll give that to him. Yeah. That was a real highlight of the last episode with time we were here. Yeah. Um, other than that, we have, you know, Booker T calling Chris Jericho a sucker okay. and Chris Jericho taking offense to that personally. Yeah, I, I still don't understand why he took such personal. That's just kind of a thing that Booker T throws around to everyone's beef with, but sure. Because he's Jericho. Okay, that's fair. Jericho does have a does kind of kind of a little baby thin skin at times, little baby man. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Then we had uh, Kane. Uh, not we had Kane. That there wasn't a lot last time because last time was the Raw roulette. So it's, there's a lot that just doesn't really feel like anything happened. Like stuff happened, but it doesn't feel like it's plot important. Case in point. Jerry Lawler and the Ho Train. Doesn't feel like that's anything relevant to any larger storylines. I still... Okay. I, memes aside, my ultimate confusion for that is what Lawler left the episode to go sleep with the Ho Train. Like, what was... Was there a backstage reason for that? Or is that going to come in service? Of anything, is that going to get acknowledged at all, or was it just? I'm pretty. I why feel the like hell not. I feel like it was a why the hell not situation. I think they're just going to probably make a joke or two about it on commentary, and that'll be that. Damn, they didn't have a didn't have a decency to, to get him off in such a crass manner, so he could go to his I don't know, daughter's mm -hmm. dance recital or some shit. I don't I don't know. Yeah, uh, Trish Stratus won a brawn panties paddle on a pole match and victoria kicked her ass afterwards oh, so i guess that's did, happening oh yeah right victoria also alleged that tris stratus had a dark backstory and i was like hey whoa say whoa now that's that's, Kane's, Kane's a, that's the pain storyline right now what are you doing you can't have two the, dark path storylines going at once the writers be like why it's so good, I'm going to have it a second time. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, let's see. Anything else happen on the Raw Roulette that I think has any long-term consequences? No. No, I think that about covered it. Cool. So, if you would like to watch, we are gonna, tonight we're going to watch the... The October 14th, anyway. 2002 episode of Raw. And if you would like to watch that as well, you can do so at PeacockTV.com, WWE's American streaming partner. Uh, it's $4.99 a month with ads, $9.99 a month without ads. Or if you're international, you can still use the WWE Network for $9.99 American. Great. I'm so excited for this episode. I truly am. Let's let's just get it go. Let's just get it over with. It's time for some ex this is an expositional episode. Let's go. Yeah, okay. And we are back. Uh, we have just finished the October 14th, 2002 episode of Monday Night Raw. 
Wow. <laughs> so, so it was dumb. In quite a it few was, ways, it was it was it, dumb. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. And, and a product of its era. In other ways, it was offensive. Uh, in ways we will definitely talk about. Deeply, so we just go ahead and get it out of the way, or horrifyingly. No, no, no I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing a bit. I'm doing a bit. Then we can get it out of the way. Um, it's it's stupid. It's it's offensive, but. It's also, in a way, beautiful. It, it, in, in, in that this, what is happening right now, almost like the Hogan-Andre feud where Hogan was so clearly showing his ass as the toxic friend, and yet the company absolutely refused to acknowledge that in any of the storytelling. Here we see... What a load of shit this company this company is when it comes to certain 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 ideas, certain demographics, certain causes, and it's put under such a beautiful, beautiful microscope via the Katie Vick storyline and how it contrasts to everything else going on around it. Right. So. I, 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 sorry, before, one, one more thing before we get, I'm going to implement a quick system for this episode of, of, there are going to be certain things that come up, uh, that I'm going to point out as things to bookmark for later that David can rant about at the end. And with each bookmark I put on and on something in this particular episode, I want you, Austin, and you, our audience at home, to see if you can't uh, pick up on a pattern. Uh, as to the things that are being bookmarked and what what um, purpose I may have for wanting to kind of keep them the, in the back of our minds as a surprise tool for later. I'm all I'm very intrigued by this entire bit you're doing here. Oh yeah, um, baby, we're gonna so, have a good fucking time with this. I want to just do this. Let's just do the, the Katie Vick thing. Instead of waiting till about the halfway mark of the show. No, that's perfect. That actually fits really well with my bit that I'm doing. I I have one more thing to throw out there. Because of the way that this arc, where where this story goes, and where 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 we're at with this, I you know content warnings aren't really something i consider of any of any note for this show not to say they have no value at all just something i never really consciously think about mm -hmm. for what the wild wacky world of wrestling does but i should <laughs> ask should we put something in post about this one because... i think that's probably a good idea because shit gets real yikesy <laughs> real quickly okay so let's let's get let's get into it so yeah hey folks content warning uh for right now um uh, uh, uh when it comes to when it comes to alcohol use and abuse uh potential domestic uh relationship abuse and uh sexual assault that's not what i yeah i wouldn't even the uh, the first two things you've said i wasn't even considering for that but yeah so i i will keep in mind where this is in the book try i will 
endeavor to have a content warning at the beginning of the podcast, which I guess, whatever, it's just weird. This is weird, whatever. That reminds me what the timestamps are here. But beautiful. with that in mind, let's talk about the Katie Vick thing. So at the beginning of the show, it is... It, you know, they're talking a lot about the murder accusations. And of course, uh, Jerry Lawler it, uh, treats it as absolute fact that Kane murdered somebody. And JR is very confident that Kane didn't. And mm -hmm. I'm concerned by how, you know, how very staunch they are about either of those positions. Indeed. So in the middle of the show, Triple H threatens is backstage and he threatens that like if Kane doesn't come out and, and say and explain the Katie Vick situation after the end of this upcoming match, then he will do it himself. And so then the match that happens, which we'll talk about that when we go through the entire show, it happens and then Kane comes out. So mm -hmm. Kane's promo. He explains Katie Vick and Katie Vick was basically a friend he had in, I don't think high school. I mean, it feels very much like it should be a friend he has in high school, but then he yeah. explicitly talks about how she was there for his first wrestling matches in 1992. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, I don't know what age I'm, I guess college age. Potentially. Sure. Yeah. So he, Kane and Katie Vick, they go to a party mm -hmm. and Katie gets drunk. And so Kane decides to be responsible and be her designated driver and take her home. And then, but he says that, you know, he, he can't really drive stick shift. Because I guess he can drive. I'll get to the parts about how this is a weird retcon of Kane's backstory after I explain all this. Mm -hmm. uh, but he says, you know, Katie insisted that he drive her car. And so he's driving and an animal runs out into the road and it causes him to swerve. And he, the car crashes and he breaks his arm. But Katie dies on him immediately on impact. And he swears that no, it was this was an act, complete accident. That death is weighs on his consciousness, but he but he is not a murderer. And then here comes Triple H. Yep. Triple H is like, good story, Kane, but you forgot some details. <laughs> he Kane, he sucked he Triple H cites police uh, not police uh, eyewitness testimony that suggests that Kane was also drunk. And so that Kane was driving drunk. And then here's where this gets real yikes uh, real fast. Mm -hmm. He also asserts that upon the, like, the police like autopsy of the body found Kane's semen on Katie. And to make sure we drive this point home and we just don't Leave it hanging there. Mm -hmm. Triple H ends his promo accusing Kane of being a murderer. He's, he asks him a question. Oh, I forgot. Before he gets to that, he explains that Katie, that Kane had feelings for Katie Vick. 
But Katie didn't return those feelings because he's a big, ugly, burnt monster. Uh-huh. And so he ends this promo with asking a question. Did he force himself on Katie Vick while she was still alive? Or did he wait until after she was dead? <sighs> yep. Yeah. We Make went sure we all, we're all on the same page here. Not only are we now accusing Kane of murder, Triple H is also accusing Kane of rape and or necrophilia. Oh, yeah. Shit escalated. That's, that's what we're Real fucking quick. doing. <laughs> or, yeah, fuck it. We're doing it live. I suppose they thought this was an appropriate thing to put on TV. They, When they said ruthless aggression, damn, I guess they meant it. Uh, because this sure is a ruthless-ass thing to put on TV, and I feel aggressively attacked by it. Yeah. Fucking this is... fuck. Why did we go here? Okay. I, I would like to quickly pivot to the retcon part of this because both mm-hmm. there's more to rant about with the ob- with the more obvious problems and also uh-huh. more problems. So not only is this all very disgusting, it's also an absolutely insane retcon of Kane's backstory. Uh, yeah. To note, Kane's backstory when he was introduced in 1997 was basically of a man who was secretly raised by Paul Bearer in basically a basement to hate and wish to defeat his brother Undertaker for murdering their parents. And it is implied that basically he's been living in the basement until he debuts with the company in 1997. Yeah. This backstory implies or, or outright states that basically Kane had a relatively normal childhood existence. He like has a girlfriend and can drive a car and goes to high school. And he wrestled in 92. He's still the burn victim, but it's not the full body burns that he's implied to have when he first debuts. And he has an apparently relatively normal existence as a, as a, teenager yeah somehow right it's weird and they never really try to reconcile those two very different origin stories for kane well also if i want to go deeper if he was having matches in 1992 that implies that glenn jacobs that everything that happened in glenn jacobs wrestling career happened in kane's kayfabe wrestling career that includes him wrestling as isaac yankum a dentist and fake diesel (laughs) did kane wrestle as fake diesel in canon wait first of all wait was kane fake diesel in that thing was kane oh fake diesel was kane and again kane was also Jerry Lawler's evil dentist, Isaac Yankum. And also, like, maybe you could make the argument that he just also happened to 
make his debut in 1992 as Kane in somewhere we've never heard of before. But I don't think they the writers were thinking that hard about this. I mean, to be fair, the WWE as a whole seems to have a very touch-and-go relationship with the consistency of Kane's character and backstory and, like, who he is as a person. Uh, they, they don't seem to enjoy really sticking to the original concept. Fair, fair. Okay, Which, now that we have... Oh. I was going to say, oh, now well, that we have uh, touched upon the, you know... Since the problems with this from a narrative perspective. I, yeah. Wait, before before we story move structure. on from from before we move on from the story structure part, this does this does kind of lead into a question I I kind of hatched very early on that I wanted to ask you about if you had any knowledge of this. Mm-hmm. So, watching all of this, watching how Kane is this beloved babyface who's got all the gold, watching how toward the beginning of this episode and I guess throughout the episode. Uh, how on the edge Kane seems to be after this Katie Vick shit came out and how he's treating the people around him and how half the people are just utterly convinced he's a murderer and the other half aren't. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of people actually acting like humans about this by injecting any sort of possible nuance whatsoever. It's all just an extension mm-hmm. of teen sports. What, where was Kane's, character at this juncture because everyone or at least all the people and I, I, no, even the people who, who do believe he did the thing they're also scandalized at this notion that that he could kill someone like there's jr on mike saying kane may be a lot of things to a lot of people but he's not a murderer uh, was like wh- when when he's to be the devil's favorite demon even if he's a fucking face now that's the character he came in as and as far as i know there aren't haven't been any major established changes to that being the case as to like the origin of his existence so what is going on here was this some attempt to recuperate his former edge and, and if so why have him in this specific position in the first place during the ruthless aggression era like like i if why if you why why take his edge away only to give it back to gauche manor like what is what what is the reason for any of this i don't know um i know that at this point in time like he's he's pretty clearly like a generally kind of like goody good baby face overall like yeah. i think that's been obvious the last two weeks mm-hmm. like his stuff with the Undertaker is usually kind of portrayed as like at this point beyond the original feud. It's very much like this very like love-hate relationship with Undertaker that's kind of just like family drama that nobody else really gets in the middle of. Yeah. In a way that kind of ignores the part like I talked about David about this. Is that like JR and so many are so confident that Kane couldn't have done this, but like Kane came into the company trying to murder the Undertaker. This He's a was fucking his character demon. motivation. Yeah. And it's just kind of like pushed to the side for the sake of this story. And I think there was some attempt to get his edge back, if it will, in the if you look at like the kind of story, if you look at the next like year of Kane's storylines and like when he 
eventually unmasks and the way they kind of try to pivot his character after he unmasks for the first time, I do think there was some desire to like make Kane the scary monster again. How that fits into this, I don't know. I don't know why they decided this is the way they were going to portray do they were going to do Triple H versus Kane? I just I don't know what the thought process was. So or... it's and and you know maybe this is a tiny bit spoilers, but they're not trying to push him back to distinct heelishness at this juncture. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, I think oh. I th- I think that comes from the unmasking, but okay. I don't. I'm not as clear about that. So, what? And he turned face because he was so over that they couldn't help but make him face. Right? Was that it? Yeah, that's that's basically okay. it. Is, is it the okay. is it the crowd loves the guy, and so they made him a good guy. So this was their attempt, maybe at at bringing some of that moral gray area back, and I. But they're not even trying to turn him fucking heels. So what's the, whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I wish I knew what anybody was thinking, but this is, this is one of those stories I feel like that nobody wants to really, like, talk about why. Damn. Like, this is a, this is a shame even for WWE. So, I think that makes it a lot harder to really know everything that went down with this thought process here. And it's, it's such a short fucking storyline. It's a month. The whole thing takes up four weeks of TV. And it's never That's mentioned so again. That's so fucking wild, too. The fact that it... Anyway. Yeah, so... On a broad structural level, this is fucked. And I'll, and I'll have, like, other tiny little rants about this, too. Mm-hmm. But, like... But, yeah, yeah, broadly... Without even thinking about how deeply inappropriate this whole thing is. It's, it's fucked. It's not a good, it's a bad story that fucks with Kane's entire character continuity. Yep. And I wanted to get that out of the way before we talk about the more serious issue of what the fuck we're just going to have Kane be a necroph- an alleged necrophiliac. And if not a necrophiliac, an alleged rapist. And we won't make him a real rapist until a couple more years from now. What? Right, the storyline with Lita. But that's a whole other time. This is the only time they do an angle like Kane? Are you shitting me? Kane, the good guy rapist, is another time. The good guy rapist? Yes. Okay, I guess I should explain a little bit. So, Kane did a storyline with Lita where he forcibly marries her and even though even though she doesn't want it. And then the, and then she gets pregnant. That's so obviously rape. And then it's revealed in real life that Lita cheated on Matt Hardy with Edge. And so everybody hates Lita. So they try to bring Lita into the store on camera as an evil cheating bitch with Edge. Except in storyline at this point in time, her relationship isn't with Matt Hardy. It's with Kane. And so thus Kane become the rapist becomes a baby face with to a heel 
Lita. I told myself before we started recording today that I wasn't going to force another enraged walkout segment because I did one and it was great. And I did another one on the Christmas episode, which is also pretty funny. I don't want to win the bit. Uh, and I also, I also feel like doing a comedy walkout bit for this might be too gauche, but just know I am burning with the This, the fact that this is a thing, not once, but twice. And both times Kane is, at least for now, it's a beleaguered baby face. Oh boy. I mean, Ooh, that's just man. The Lita Kane saga is also not a storyline that's well liked or well regarded. As also to add on, before all of that real life stuff happened that made people hate Lita, um, the storyline as portrayed is that not only did Lita get pregnant, she also had a miscarriage. And so Kane and Lita and Kane were becoming closer through the mis through the trauma of miscarriage. My God. Because here here's one of those things about wrestling pregnancies. Either they're real or there's a miscarriage. There's only two options in wrestling pregnancy storylines it's a real pregnancy or it's a fake one and it's an excuse to do a miscarriage angle you know maybe the w's never be taken seriously as as a company for the fact they pull shits on multiple occasions so much so recognizable trope like that. Dear yeah. fucking God, this just keeps getting worse. That's a completely unrelated story aside from having yeah, a let's, let's, character. But let, yeah, let's let's cycle back to the Katie Vick arc. Hey. So. Right. Um... Yeah, Kane is an alleged rapist now. I can't comment on an in-character um, whether or not there's any reason to believe that Kane is a rapist in-character at this point in time, as we only have Triple H's word for that. And, well, he's not reliable in any way. But still, they went there. They made yeah. that part of the story. Yeah, uh, just fucked on so and and like and the fact that they have heel Triple H trying to call this out to be like, oh, it's such a mystery. Look at the moral ambiguity of all of this. Oh man. Oh, what? What's the truth? What's the law? Just makes it a zillion fucking times worse. Like not only do they have the audacity to put a stop this. On wrestling TV, but there's a certain level mm, flippancy 
with which it is clearly being treated. Not not mm-hmm. only by virtue of the show that surrounds it, and again, oh boy, we'll get to that, but just just in the sense of doing this for pops and and for heat and for drama and intrigue rather than treat it like the serious fucking issue. Dear God! This is the offensive part mm-hmm. I was talking about. Shocking. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I knew what we were getting into with this. And this is... Oh, man. Oh, this is infuriating. What we're here for. And Great. it's bad. It's yeah, very this bad. Good. This is not really good at all. Mm-hmm. No way, no how. And, and, the, and, the, and like, it's so non-integral to the story, too. Like, it ultimately isn't commented on by anyone except Triple H. Like, I I am glad it's not, to be clear. Yes, yes. I don't want Jerry Lawler and JR to comment on that element of the story. Mm-hmm. But also... Mm-hmm. Triple H makes these accusations to the point that it is the definitive end point of his promo. And then when they cut to commercial and come back later, they repeat that part, that line to make sure you see it. Yeah. Nobody talks about the weird rape necrophilia part. It is all focused on the potential murder aspect of it. Yup. Yeah. It's fun. You could have cut out like two lines of Triple H's promo and it is not only significantly less offensive, then it just kind of becomes this really dumb high school murder mystery drama. Yeah. And it otherwise, again, changes nothing because nobody else comments on it. It's almost like the entertainment industry has a really bad track record of throwing in rape storylines for artificial extra drama points when mm-hmm. it was absolutely fucking unnecessary and not handled with the slightest amount of dignity. Real It's not. It, it, they there, especially it in the hands just, of Vince goddamn McMahon. Yeah, it literally is just kind of there to be one more sin against Kane and not even a significant one. Because that's still all yeah. centered around the murder aspect. Yeah. Yeah, but we had to we had to spice this up somehow. So here it is, I guess. Yeah. May I what did they like re did they like read the story that they wrote for how this happened and think that there's too much ambiguity here about whether or not Kane is really at fault here, which I'm I'm just gonna throw out there. Even if even if we assume Triple H's version of the story is correct, Kane wouldn't be charged with murder. That yeah. requires, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, um uh, motive. Not motive. Uh, pre. Oh, premeditated. Premeditation. Uh, yeah. He the story again was even Triple H's most uncharitable framing of the situation is that Kane drunk drove and then got in an accident that killed Katie Vick. That's what manslaughter at the most, which is still kind of fucked, but also nobody really brings up that kind of legal jargon. 
And it's it yep. kind of annoys me. Well, y- yeah. Kind of legal nuance. Well, again, we're not here for for actual nuance here. We're here for cheap, cheap fucking heat. With, mm-hmm. Which, like, oh fuck, what was I gonna like? Like, we're we're ta- we're talking about you know the 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 rape side of this, of course, mm-hmm. deeply unnecessary. Where the the murder the murder was was all we needed, and and like it's 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 dumb that that everyone's surprised that Kane could go to that dark place, but like like. It's, I, I, just, I just really can't wrap my head around well I, I understand why but I can't I can't believe that we actually went there and and that mm-hmm. people in the writers room thought this was a good idea I understand why on a writing level they thought you know they were dumbass I, I bet all dude writing room back in the early 2000s no shit they're not gonna really have a great handle on how to how to present issues like this in a sensitive way but but like dear god this this, you you took it from benign to offensive like that when you did not need to like i thought at first when when kane came out did his promo and triple h came out and was like oh no no no, you were drunk i thought initially oh boy are they just doing a a long form drinking and driving psa that's the that's mm-hmm. the length that they, they were going to go to with this, and then it got a zillion times fucking worse. Honestly, I would prefer some cringy ass long form drinking and driving PSA starring Triple H and Cage over whatever the fuck this is turning into. No. Oh my lord! He said he said they found your semen on the body, and it all went downhill from there. Yeah, yeah, I. I I thought I thought too like like maybe it's gonna be that they because he said autopsy maybe they didn't find alcohol in her system and you were the drunk mm-hmm. one all along and she whoa was, that would that wouldn't that be yeah that wouldn't that be a twist yeah it'd be dumb it'd be really stupid but, it'd probably still infuriating but it wouldn't have been that God. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. So that's where we're at, folks. Isn't that fun? That's that is the main line story that we're following mm-hmm. in this four episode arc. Yeah. Yep. It's shorter than our yeah. usual arcs, not because I could find, not because I'm merciful, but because I can't really justify more time devoted to it. Good. As I said, it's thankfully a very, very small piece of time. Yeah. Fucking good. Uh, Austin may have said no mercy, but the universe didn't. <sighs> hey. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Now, yeah. Time to time to go and talk about the rest. Let's, of the let's talk about the rest of the episode. Yeah. So, so we open with you know Kane is fire is backstage and he's fired up and angry, and we then go straight to the ring where Kane and the Hurricane are defending the tag team championships against Christian and Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. They don't really explain why this match was set up, so can't really say anything about it. But yeah. 
before the match, Booker T runs in and, and attacks Chris Jericho. Kind of makes sure you remember that they're still beefing. Yeah, uh, we get a lot. We get a lot of Booker spots in this episode. Um, and, Good for and, him. Yeah. The, uh, no, I'm I'm happy for him. And I didn't realize he was the face until Austin like explicitly told me. I kind of pieced it together. Um, yeah, dude but, is like the number two baby face on Raw at this point in time. I mean, it kind of Jesus it's Christ. like arguably Kane is number one considering he's in the world title feud, and then it's yeah. like RVD and Booker T. And you could probably go back and forth on which one is number two. Yeah, no, but but Booker is Booker is not uh, is is not happy with with mm-hmm. with uh, uh, Jericho. That beef is still is still going strong, and that's yeah, that's what you got to know for now. Yeah, uh, match is fine. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a bad match, but it's no, no. I mean, I mean, it's it's. Hurricane's a talented dude, even if he doesn't go on to have like nearly as prestigious a career. But then it's also Kane, Christian, and Jericho. I mean, what do you expect? Mm-hmm. They're all insanely talented, and yeah. Hurricane does a good job at keeping pace with them. So, so overall, it's a strong showing. But of course, what they have to do is point out just how on edge Kane is. He's he's his head's not in the game. He's focused more on hurting his opponents just out of mm-hmm. out of anger than actually trying to strategically win a match. Which, and so of which, course things I, start to fall apart for him. I will say, I guess if I'm gonna if I'm gonna like praise writing in some way tonight here, is I will say I think that for the most part they do a good job of portraying this throughout the episode, but I don't think it comes across that much in the match. I could kind of see it. I I could I could kind of see that Kane was on edge, and I I got enough of a sense of it. And commentary did a good job pointing it out. And I could see him mm-hmm. doing slightly more aggressive spots than usual. Like at one point, he's picking up a chair and just chucking it down. I think at Jericho or not not a chair the the stairs. Oh, he the, picked the up ring the ring stairs and attacked Christian with it. Okay, and yeah. I wrote yeah, and that kind of plays into how the match ends because he kind of gets focused on doing that and that leaves yeah. jericho and hurricane in the ring alone and jericho is able to you know, win pin uh hurricane when put his feet up on the ropes for leverage which uh, no 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 can't do that but ref mm-hmm. didn't see it whoppity whoppity and christian and chris jericho are the new tag team champions yep yeah um so and kane is mighty pissed about that hurricane's like god damn it no mm-hmm. And yeah, and he's. Christian I feel bad Jericho for Hurricane. Grab- this is a real career I, highlight moment for him. Yeah, poor guy. On a broad level, mm-hmm. oh man, you deserve better. Um, but yeah, yeah Christian and Jericho grab the belts and haul ass out of there. And they find themselves backstage where it becomes quickly apparent that they are now pawns in Bischoff's power play. Yes, okay. So Booker T and Goldust are rearing to beat their asses, which fair. They've been all yeah. four of them have been each other's throats for weeks. Yeah, uh, and, I, I have to say, I can't remember if I pointed this out last week. Goldust plus Booker, wild-ass combo, but I'm kind of here for it. Absolutely. I love Booker and Goldust as a tag team. Yeah. yeah They're great. Dudes. Fucking yeah. But yeah, they end up, uh, Eric Bischoff runs in to kind of break up the fight. And Eric Bischoff announces that there will be, that I know they just won the tag team titles, but this Sunday, at no mercy, there will be a tag team title match between Booker T and Goldust and Chris Jericho and Christian. And Bischoff 
doesn't it isn't even left to implication that he's doing this to try to one up Stephanie McMahon, who is again the GM of SmackDown. He explicitly yeah. says so. He's like, if Stephanie is gonna crown new tag team champions of the, at No Mercy, then I'm gonna have my tag titles defended. Yeah. So so there are the tag titles are there there are different tag titles per brand. Yes, there's a raw yes. tag and a SmackDown tag. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm still slightly kind of behind the curve on mm-hmm. Bischoff's entire evil plot to one up Stephanie constantly. So I'll have more questions about that as we go on. But yeah. yeah, I guess for some reason Bischoff wasn't able to use Kane and Hurricane in this way, but he sure as fuck is immediately. Well, I guess he would. Up. I guess he wouldn't be able to because you know Kane has the world title match. Oh, fair. Yeah. So he's immediately jumping on this as part of his mwahaha evil plot to. to I have. I have to. The ratings. Yep, pretty much. Uh, after that, we get Lance Storm versus Al Snow. Yeah, uh, with William Regal hopping on commentary at the start for some reason, and just long enough for Jr. to give him shit about wrestling and drag. I think Jr. and Lawler both waste their time on commentary ragging on Reeks for for doing drag last time even though he mm-hmm. won uh right i which like which like yeah yeah you you gotta you gotta love though that in a match that is absolutely zippo to do with this we're we're pointing out uh we're pointing out how ha gay yeah it's it, the match itself is a whole lot of who cares. Like Lance yeah. Storm helped uh, Regal win last week, but also that has nothing to do with Al Snow. He's just kind of here to get his ass kicked. Let's be honest. Yeah. So why the and, fuck are we wasting our time doing this match just so we can make fun of Regal for doing drag? Yeah. How very two thousand and two. I'll say that. Yeah. I, mm, I've been going back and forth on this, but I'm in a spicy mood. Fuck it. This is bookmark number one. Okay. Keep this in Ooh. mind. It, it doesn't oh, tie in dear. nearly, it doesn't tie in nearly as well with all the rest of the bookmarks, but I think, I think on a broader level. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the, it, it still fits in kind of with what I want to bitch about at the end here. Um, uh, Regal, definitely not here to interfere on behalf of last landstorm though. Um, uh, because until oh no he he throws lance storm his brass knuckles which i will say the only part about regal on commentary i liked is they try to assert that he used brass knuckles to win last week which he did and he was very offended at the notion yeah that's what happened (laughs) i'm a fine gentleman if you can't trust me who can you trust you know he used the power of the punch that's that's all it was. Totally, totally legal. Yeah, he's, anyway, he's got a really good right hook, as you said. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want. So he tosses Lance Storm the brass knuckles, and Lance Storm tries to hit Al Snow with it, except Lance Storm is a fuck up and he misses. And so he drops the knucks, and then William Regal tries to interfere and attack Al Snow, except Al Snow intercepts him, except that causes enough of a distraction. So Lance Storm can hit the super kick on Al Snow for the win. So it's all a little complicated, but it all works out for Lance Storm. So many shenanigans. The shenanigans were running wild on this match in particular. 
yeah, dude. Oh, 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 boy. Yeah. Okay. We go backstage to Victoria with the coach, Jonathan Coachman. And so as a prelude to, again, as we talked about, Victoria is also doing a, this baby, beloved baby face has a dark secret past storyline that we're doing that they're doing with Kane. And I already lampshaded how we're doing the exact same storyline twice. But so Victoria gets her chance to kind of explain her side of the story. And fortunately it's not quite as gross as what Kane yeah. gets. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's a very generic instead of they were both Victoria and Trish were both fitness models at the same time. I looked it up. That's, Fair enough. I don't really know how much interaction they had in their careers, but they were both fitness models at the same time. So I guess it mm -hmm. could be true. And Victoria talks about how they both wanted to make it to the WWE, and she implies that Trish prevented her from being able to advance, advance her career, stepped over her, and Victoria... And ends the promo with a clap with a really good line, of course, of, uh, you know, Victoria, she has shown that she is willing to do anything to get to the top, while Trish has shown she is willing to do any one to get to the top. Yeah, with solid line, and hey, already bookmark number two. Yeah, and so Trish Stratus walks in and just slaps the shit out of her and leaves. Yep, yep, slut shame. We'll be back to those two later. And, oh, oh, we will. We will. Yeah. So then we get a backstage bit with Jeff Hardy, Spike Dudley, and RVD just kind of saying nothing. Hey, first off, about I want to I point out the weird-ass No Mercy commercial we got. Oh, the yeah, Halloween. the one where Pete yeah. Rose gets attacked by Halloween. Get. He, a bunch of kids show up in Halloween costumes that are wrestling gear, and he's like, fuck you, kids. I'm not giving you candy. And then Kane shows up and kicks yeah, his ass. Yeah, he's, he's, he's in this giant, like, psycho-tier manner to dilapidated-ass mm -hmm. mansion. And, and uh, okay, and there's, like, pumpkins outside. And, yeah, so the no mercy is Kane uh which is oh man unfortunate person to put in this one with the angle they're running why the fuck are they doing uh oh uh, that's that's kind of because there's a long-running bit of pete rose getting beaten up by kane like okay, every time sure. pete rose does guest spots with wwe kane kicks his ass it's a bit sure. <laughs> yeah. random ass no mercy commercial that was you know nice and goofy sure yeah Sure, sure, sure. Now, again, yes, Jeff Hardy, Spike Dudley, and RVD are talking in the back just about last week's TLC match. They're not saying anything of substance except that Bubba Ray is still hospitalized from his injuries. He is an and injured in, in comes Eric Bischoff, who, who told them all to meet him here, and he immediately um, throws to a fucking TLC highlight reel. Yep. Which, like, I yeah, get why uh, you do that from a out-of-kayfabe, like, narrative structure reason. But, like, why did he do that? Why did well, he ask the them to show up just to watch a highlight reel? Well, the explanation is he's, like, he's so proud of these boys that he put together something special for him. And I'm, like, mm -hmm. why is that, like, why why is that reward for them a fucking hype package? Yeah, it's weird. 
Uh, then he starts booking matches. He books Jeff Hardy to face Rico the, up next. And then he tells Spike Dudley to hit the, hit, hit the bricks. Spike kind of initially doesn't really listen to him. And Eric Bischoff has to repeat himself. And then he also makes a snarky remark about like, Nah, to give Bubba Ray my best wishes, and he and Spike Dudley tells him to like, up yours, and then he leaves. Yeah, and then Bischoff is this like maniacal star maker is is I I have to say kind of a fun character just in that mm-hmm. he's so like he's so ruthlessly driven to to uh to push the brand, and he's so he's so weehee I'm evil about it too. It's just, yeah. it's just so goofy, you know. And I do enjoy the fact that like literally all the baby faces hate him. Like they don't they don't even try to pretend or like nobody tries to make peace with Eric Bischoff. There's like, yeah, fuck this guy. Yeah. Shitty bosses, yeah. am I right? Like, Again, the the fact they the fact that they pulled over Eric Bischoff after the WCW acquisition to play this role in particular. Woof. But anyway, Bischoff then announces that, you know, because Kane had a match at the beginning of the show, you know, because he isn't in the interest of fairness, Triple H in the main event will have a match with Rob Van Dam for the world title, and it will be a Canadian lumberjack match. Now, what makes it a Canadian match? I don't know, to to be clear. Except for the fact that it's in Montreal, Canada. Yes, that's where the show is tonight. But what other otherwise what makes a Canadian don't know, but they're all gonna carry leather straps. Oh shit, buddy. Whip people with. Uh, which is but other than that, that is so he's like, there you go, Rob. Yeah, his act of charity. Oh, yeah. He he also announces that Rob Van Dam will get a one on one match with Ric Flair at No Mercy. Yeah, cool, whatever. As something as vindication for something Ric Flair did to him in the past, maybe, I don't know. RVD doesn't yes. seem too stoked about it. He's just like, cool. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is his yeah. MO. Then we get uh, Triple H and Flair backstage bitching about the thing Eric Bischoff just did. I joked, I joked that Ric Flair, when Ric Flair was complaining, I joked, those prostitutes, I, did those prostitutes I gave you, Eric, mean nothing? And then yeah. Eric, and then Rick kind of yeah. says that without saying it. Yeah, he's like, after what I did for him last week, or something like that. Yeah, so they're mad, and then eventually Triple H is also, like, you know also- what? Go for it, sir. No, 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 no. I, you, you explain this because this is actually this is actually what leads into what I was going to say. Okay. Is Triple H then eventually is like, you know what? Rick, don't worry about Rob Van Dam because he's not going to make it to no mercy. And then he lays down his ultimatum to Kane about Katie Vick. Yeah. Triple H is acting like a fucking gangster with this storyline right now of like, mm-hmm. he runs the show and you better do things how he wants, uh, or else you're not going to like the consequences. Uh, yeah. he's, an, he's an inefficient-ass gangster, though, if he's if he's fucking holding on to, like, like we were we were talking about how he's been holding on to these accusations for a week, and probably longer than that, like, before he even brought them up on TV, and he's only now bringing them up. And, like, gangster is the best way I can, I can put it. But, like, damn, imagine gangstering as part of a pro wrestling company mechanism. That's like yeah. one of the dumbest places. Like, 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 
what talk about fucking edgelord behavior here dude it's so it's so like like why are you acting like this buddy it's so cringe yeah i'll get to it but also i just want to say before we move on because you brought up the fact that like can't that like surely triple h knew about this before like now that Mm. they do kind of lampshade how convenient this all is later and i appreciated it yeah yeah um Except again, it's gauche as fuck for what the accusations turn out to be. So the f- mm-hmm. and that helps highlight too just how goddamn ridiculous is, is ridiculous it is when Triple H gets asked about this uh, specifically as as a lead up to a world title defense in a wrestling company when it comes to a matter of life, death, and sexual assault. And he gives a flippant non-answer, like, yeah, what about it? Like, fuck off. Yeah. Uh, then our next match, Jeff Hardy versus Rico. I have nothing to say about it, actually. Um, like, I, it have, I have two things. Not, it was incredibly, to me, it was incredibly non-nothing. I do I do actually have a, I, I do actually have a few notes from this one. Uh, mm. Although, very little to actually do with the match itself. The one thing I will say for the match uh, is I want to subtitle this one Battle of the Drips because Rico and Hardy both got some looks that they're serving and both are extremely different. So it's a matter of if you like extra emo punk grunge or if you like some snazzy leopard print. Hey, that's fair. Um, But also, uh, this was, because this match was a bit of a snoozer, this was the time to really kick back and notice the sign game in this particular episode. Want to start off with, uh, shout out to the poor soul who brought the Kane is a murderer sign. I wrote this, I wrote before the Kane reveal, the the exposition dump later on, so I'm saying it for completely different reasons, because... When I first wrote that, I was like, you know, shout out to the person who wrote this, not knowing if this is actually the outcome and making themselves basically look like an audience plant by doing this. Like, imagine being this bought into this dumb fucking, this dumb fucking angle. But now, uh, if we're going to talk, if we're going to talk about the gun, imagine jumping the gun on that sign and being bought into this angle so hard that you bring a cane as a murderer sign to the episode where Kane gets revealed as, like, a potential rapist necrophiliac. Oh, I want to talk about signs that uh, bring that up. I know yeah. there is one sign I noticed later. Uh, was but, it the... Uh, was, it, I, did see, I did see toward the front row an I'm a Canaanite sign, which, like... Not that. We'll get, I'll okay. tell... I'll, tell I'll, okay. I'll point out when we get to it, but... Um, um, any other um, there's also... Signs? You, you you pointed out the Brock Lesnar sign. Um, yeah, dude, brought a Brock Lesnar sign. Brock Lesnar's on SmackDown. Yeah, so, so Brock Lesnar sign on, on Raw. Generally, sign game doesn't appear to be as strong in these days as it is mm-hmm. as it is kind of nowadays. Although uh, this is not sign related, I think this was a commentary line. Um, new Dudley Lord dropped. Oh, you're right. Okay. They so yeah, it was during this match too. So they were talking yep. about the du- Bubble Ray Dudley Bubble Ray being in the uh in the um uh in the hospital. And mm-hmm. and uh Jerry Lawler was making remarks about Bubba Ray and his parents, and he's like, Well, you know, they're Bubba Bubba's parents, their parents are real close, you know, second cousins. So Yeah. So so uh 
Dudley incest. Adding to the bubble ray. Yes. Yes, adding um, on to the uh traveling salesman man whore uh um uh, di- um uh lore that's previously mentioned on this show. Also incest that, is happening here. Yeah, 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 incest. Uh I'm gonna mark that one down as bookmark number three, as amusing as it is. Oh boy, we're just hitting all these great little moments in this. Um, but yeah, the the, the main thing I kind of want to say about the match itself, again, not anything to do with the in-ring whatever the hell, hell is going on but like this whole match exists as like a ticking time bomb for the katie vick exposition except yeah. it was the most poorly established time bomb ever in that it was established the fucking segment right before this just suddenly and with very little build-up and with a match that has fuck all to do with the with the rest of the surrounding story neither neither rico nor jeff hardy have any horse in this race it was about the worst ticking time bomb ever fucking uh hitchcock is rolling in his grave at this one pretty much yeah with any sort of competency whatsoever dear god no yeah that about covers it uh then we get a hurt the hurricane backstage and her and kane kind of tells hurricane to leave him alone and he doesn't give a shit about losing the tag titles he's just mad and angry and sadly yeah. this is about the ter- the uh, dissolution of the hurricane as a tag team Indeed. uh then terry Reynolds comes in this is a remark to david she is more involved in this storyline than i thought she would be yeah uh, but Terry Runnels comes up to Kane and she's like, I'm not here for you. I'm not here as an interviewer. I'm here as your friend. And she kind of comforts Kane and she tells him that like, you're broken up right now. And in your, if you stay this way, then you're never going to beat triple H and you need to go out there and tell your story. She's interesting considering his story is, is, is an accused murder, but, uh, is what it is you know a for yeah. effort you know yeah there's a there's trying a, to do god past past all of the it's the thought that counts and an offensive bullshit that's going on there is a compelling character piece here and i gotta give props to glenn jacobs for doing for giving a good believable performance at least to an extent but it mm-hmm. sure is a shame that it gets as offensive as it is and as dumb as it is, and also that for a zillion reasons, Kane is not the character to do this with by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. So this is just like, like on top of everything else, it's also just like wasted potential and resources. You could be compelling with Kane. Uh, clearly, Glenn Jacobs has some good, uh, some good acting chops uh, that he's that he's showing off here. But God damn. As uh, as we've made very clear, this is not the way to do it. Uh, and, and it's made even worse, too, by when Kane is out giving his side of the story, uh, you know, in, in, in the promo and in, in the promo in the ring. Uh, every time he says a line about about his version of the backstory, there's a what chant like oh, I, I miss that. But geez. yeah. There were what chants every every that after every sentence. Out. There was a what chant, and it's like, why are we doing this? Like, like I, I I wonder how the audience felt 
when this god is like fucked up as it did but like like man the 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 accidentally baiting watch chance also doesn't help with with any of what's going on here so that's that's great yeah great uh then is the the promo where they where yeah, this one we gets get his side of the, the story well, the one we already talked about we are not yeah, going the, any deeper into it and... halfway through the episode which again is also dumb from a structural standpoint because like way to have your kind of climax right in the middle of this show but okay yeah then after that that hurricane is backstage and kane apparently leaves the building yeah he's uh, that is important later also um i noticed this when we got an extreme close-up on kane's face he wears the one white contact under the mask and yep. i got props to him for that detail that no one is gonna see not a soul I find that very funny, but at the very least, I I I could see it as a matter of because I, I I read this once, um, and I I I've experienced it myself. See it as a case of sometimes performers will put little touches on their costume or makeup or what have you that no one is going to notice, but just helps them feel a little more in character. I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case for for Kane if. if if Glenn mm-hmm. putting in the, the one contact, even though not a damn soul sees it, helps him feel a little more in tune with the character of Kane, sure. I appreciate the sure. either way. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool. Then, uh, as I joked with David, after the heinous accusations brought forth on this show, we quickly move on to our back to our regularly scheduled professional wrestling. Oh, uh, not only do we move on to our regularly scheduled professional wrestling, we cut away from rape accusations to an overly sexualized women's match of, of the uh, era. You know what? Actually, I mean, maybe it's just all of the uh, all of the bra and panties and uh, gr- and uh, gravy bowl and eggnog matches have burned my brain a little bit. But actually, you know what? I don't really have a lot to say, but bad to say about this match. It is. It was more uh, restrained, but when we have fucking Stacy Keebler in a referee bra, like that's that's a little that's a little that's that's still indicative of the general issues of the era. I think it's beautifully indicative, and uh, just there's uh, several things that uh, several small things uh, over the course of this match. That caused me to to make this whole thing bookmark number four, regardless. Fair. So, keep that in, but keep the match that in is Molly Holly and Victoria versus Jacqueline and Trish Stratus with Stacy Keebler as the special referee. Uh, yeah. The Internet Babe of the Year contest continues. I think Trish won that one. God. I think. Yeah, you're. Really I don't know, bad. but I. As I said to David, at this point, I'm a little bit invested in finding out who won. Who? Yeah, we get a, we get a win. baby of the year promo. Uh, what? Well, uh, which? Which I have to say. Uh, so after uh, the Christmas episode, where we talked about good old Rock losing a match in Florida, I saw Trish Trish come out, and it was made apparent that she is from Montreal, Canada, and Trish with the title going into a match for the title defense in her hometown of Canada, uh, uh, Montreal, Canada, uh, fighting a match with a definitely by 
highest ref in the form of Stiebler. Uh, yeah, I don't know how this one's going to turn out for uh, for good old Trish. Um, well, you and, know and what? It actually went okay. It, it does, but also the thinking about that made me think of something that turned out to ha- come back a couple different times throughout this episode is, God damn, they really have just turned Montreal, Canada into WWE's own generator of nuclear tier heat oh i think i know when we're gonna bring that back up um Yo, yeah but the match itself is probably as good as you could hope for for given the time constraints and the women involved as i mentioned to david the four wrestlers in this match are probably the best four female athletes they have in 2002 yeah. And Stacy Keebler is actually not terrible, completely terrible as a referee. So yeah, she doesn't just, detract kind of from the match. Crooked. Yeah, she's a crooked ref, but she's not an uh, she's not an untalented one. Yeah, so it all it ends up all kind of breaking down. Where yeah, near the end of uh, the match, Jacqueline hits the big move on Molly Holly, and I admit I laughed really hard at this. Is that? If Stacey Keebler goes down to count the pin, a one, a two, and then she feigns like her shoulder is injured and thus can't complete the count. Yeah, baby. Uh, and yeah. While, and Jacqueline's like, the fuck? Stacy is too crooked to give this match to, 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 to Jacqueline and Trish. Waka waka. Yeah, and then my note specifically on this was, Stacy fucked around and found out where yeah. it it results in Jacqueline kicking her ass and throwing her through the ropes and she's yep. out the rest of the way. She hits her big move on Molly Holly and you think it's going to be a one, a two, a three, but oh no, there's no ref. And then you got another ref running down to the ring. Yeah, count this yeah, pin, and you think ref. Molly's gonna kick out because that's always how this works. That's always how it happens, right? But no, nope, like, like one, Danny Davis of yore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but then it's one, two, three, and Jacqueline just wins. Molly got pinned for like fifteen seconds. It's like great. Yeah, I'm almost. I'm kind of shocked by that. Um, yeah. Also, shout out to in the middle of this women's match, uh, Lawler suddenly remembering that he wants to brag about fucking the whole ho train nope i i was completely correct in my prediction and that they would make a couple of jokes about it on commentary and then otherwise not mention it ever again and of course they had to make those comments during the women's match also the ref is like the ref gets in on fighting with some of the competitors like they they tackle him and he's like fighting back or trying to restrain them or some Trish, shit Trish, Trish, yeah Trish and victoria get into a fight after the match and the rest have to try to break it up and jerry lawler and course, gets ag- extremely aggressive about arguing that the referees are molesting these women in trying to break up the cat fight yeah and uh, and jr responds with you're just jealous which is like uh which is actually kind of like a fair assessment to to be honest it is but oh boy is that still gonna be a yikes from me dog yeah a little bit uh after that after all that's over we get booger t gold dust spike dudley and tommy dreamer backstage and booger t's just really fucking excited to hit hit whip some people that's 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 all that happened 
That's about it. Uh, then we get a then we get a Batista hype spot that looks like a fucking Ico Pro commercial. Well, you see, we have that, but before right before that, we get a oh. No Mercy video that kind of re-summarizes this Triple H Kane beef. To which my only response is, is it mind games if Kane did that shit? Because the promo and obviously the babyface way of interpreting this whole storyline is that Kane Triple H is just trying to get in Kane's head, and it and the accusations are not particularly credible. Mm-hmm. Is the well, babyface read of it all? Yeah. So then we get a Eric Bischoff promo about No Mercy in the ring, and he's talking about how we will never after this. Sunday, we'll never see the Intercontinental title again because there it is a unification match. And so he brings out Pat Patterson, the original Intercontinental champion in the WWE. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Pat Pat comes out and gets a huge pop for it. And because he's and, also because he's also from Canada. But, oh, so, you know. Well, hey. Hey, there we there we are. Um and so he comes out and Bischoff singing his praises a little bit. And again, uh, as a tribute to Pat, I guess he's put together another hype package that we watch. Yeah. This is of the history of the intercontinental title. Yeah. It's, it's pretty uh, nice. Hey, actually. A lot of the highlights. Yeah. It was cool. It showed like all of the champions and what appeared to me to be chronological, chronological order. Um, also, yeah, shout most, out to them having the, yeah a couple of the stone cold versus rock spots that we have actually watched on this show. I was like, yeah, hey. I was, I was like Leo meme pointing. I was like, Hey, I know that. Shit. Yeah. There's also some stuff from steamboat savage at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is true. Um, so, so we, we got that. It's super hype. Um, yeah. And then, and then we cut back to the ring and it looks like everyone's just having a good old time, but then three minute warning comes in and jumps Pat Patterson and beat the shit out of him, and Eric Bischoff is evilly laughing of like how your three minutes are up. <laughs> yes, man, they they really didn't have any sense of how fucking forced this was, did they? Yeah, no, they don't. But no. Gerald Briscoe, the former, the other former stooge of Mister McMahon, comes yeah. to the aid of Pat Patterson, and he gets his ass kicked as well. But then the baby face is come to save the day, or at least D'Lo Brown and Jeff Hardy show up, and Big Show's there too. Uh, Big right. Show with a, with a, with a leather strap. It's yeah, they a, all gotta, they gotta got gotta the leather that, straps that from Lumberjack. Yeah, so they they run off except for except one. for Briscoe. Bit of leather strap for some reason. Nah, poor poor Briscoe didn't get the strap to fight with. Yeah, so they 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 yeah. fight off and they fight off uh, three minute warning and that's the end of that. That I okay, help me understand what the hell is Bischoff's motive getting rid of the Intercontinental Championship because that's like this that's like the tier below heavyweight. So why why are we doing like a unification with the heavyweight here? I have no idea. I I think it's he, just he's a, being evil. I think about it's just this. Too. It feel I think it's just like a stakes raising situation, but I genuinely couldn't tell you. So why is he being so maniacal about? Is it just because? Is it just because uh, with the current character Eric Bischoff, 
Toph could eat eat a sandwich and evil about it? Is that just kind of where we're at? Probably, yeah. Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah, sure, why not? Backstage, we get a little bit of a interaction between Chris Nowinski and Al Snow. Chris Nowinski they used to be on like Tough Enough. Sure. Yeah, Al Snow, is, he's kind of a dick to Al Snow. And, like, that's the end of that. That sets up kind of Chris Nowinski and Tommy Dreamer, which, as I told David, not I, we literally are doing an ECW arc in about three episodes. And this, mm-hmm. so this isn't really what I would hope your first match with Tommy Dreamer was going to be. Because it's not yeah, good, well. and it doesn't play to his strengths even a little bit. And by that, I mean it's a regular fucking match. Yeah, yeah, well, as, as, so, as you do, sure. Uh, they Kendo just kind of wrestle. Woo! Yeah, he, Nowinski tries to bring out the kendo stick to beat up Dreamer. And then Dreamer gets it, and then Al Snow shows up to help Nowinski win. And yeah. he's like, why'd you do that? And they're like, ooh, guess we're going to have to find out next week. Cool. Yeah, we get this close-up on Nowinski's face that just really put into contrast for me. Chris Nowinski makes white bread look spicy. Jesus Christ, dude is the most generic of white bread pretty white boys I've ever seen. Yep. Man, you can tell he came from Tough Enough. (laughs) That's what I'm Yeah, man. Yeah. So then we get Triple H backstage with Terry Runnels, and she's interviewing him, and she's kind of like, it seems kind of convenient that all this shit about Kane is coming out right now, right before your title match with him. Care to comment? And he just kind of is like, well, you know, it's not convenient. It just happened that way. And, you know, I don't want to get in the ring with a murderer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Triple he's H is a light night era. He's really, he's really... He's very deeply concerned about the plight of, of women in in American mm-hmm. society. Uh, he's being a little weird to Terry, though. Almost He's almost strikes a flirtatious tone at a couple points, or maybe that's just his natural way of speaking uh, coming across. As that might be that. Maybe. It's hard to tell. Uh, also, glad to see Triple H getting his pops in while talking about, you know, rape and murder. Mm-hmm. He still manages uh, to get the just that damn good pop. At what, yeah. Uh, thank you. That's again, way to this yeah. you with the gravitas it deserves. I, I wrote a note about this as like good cut bros because what happened because he he taught the first half of this promo is about Kane and then he stops talking. And so they cut to the crowd away from him into the crowd. And then he starts talking again to talk about RVD at the in the main event. And so they like awkwardly have to cut back to him talking because as if they didn't know that he wasn't done, which it does, however, present an opportunity for me to talk about that sign thing I mentioned earlier. So after he's done talking about Kane, they cut to a sign in the crowd that says Kane isn't a murderer. He's a freak. (laughs) What? It was a very quick cut because they had, again, they had to quick cut back to Triple H who's doing the promo. But Mm -hmm. the dude who brought the sign that called Kane a freak, I would love to know his thoughts after, you know, the full breadth of accusations were brought out. Well, he clearly clearly was still still on Kane's side if he was showing that sign after the breadth of accusations. 
It's true. Uh, then we get a Randy Orton hype video. I think it's mostly the same one from the last time, except they say different stuff in the interview. That yeah, feels and it doesn't more touch him at the charged. fucking WWE bar. Yeah, uh, sh- uh, shout out to top quote of the night. I love women, Randy Orton. Yeah, and admittedly, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to a lot of this, but the, again, the only two lines I remember is Randy Orton Jr. saying, um, I love women, and the and his dad, Bob Orton, saying that Randy needs to use protection. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know what we're talking about here, but it feels like we're talking about having sex, and any and you can't really convince me otherwise yeah uh i'm gonna i'm gonna call i'm gonna call that one bookmark number seven. Oh boy <laughs> we're, we're 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 getting we're we, the number go up yep and then we get an in ring we get an on the stage interview with jim ross he brings out randy orton uh to talk he is he is injured yeah, and he's Randy Orton specifically says that he has tore his bicep, and he says that the doctors told him that it would take nine to twelve months, but because he is no normal man, and he has he's just so he's gonna fight so hard that he's gonna recover from this in three to four months, which <laughs> no. Hell of a hell hell of a claim there on on a number of levels, and I have to laugh at two different parts happening at the same time. Is he says that as he tries to give this bit where he says that like if you wish to get, send me well wishes, you can send me an email, and he puts it up on the big screen, and it's a picture of Randy Orton, and it says. Send emails at get well soon, Randy at WWE.com. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's like, he, he's like, if you email me here, I will personally respond to every one of these emails. And the entire time this is happening, the crowd is chanting, na, 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 na. Hey, 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 goodbye. Yeah. I still don't get why the crowd hates Randy Orton this much when he's still technically a face. Uh, they probably just think he's really boring, which I would agree. Yeah, that's 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 fair. He, as you said, so then Randy Orton heals on the crowd. And yeah, yeah, I'll let you talk about it because you alluded to it earlier with Montreal. But yeah, no, he he cheeses he 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 goes he goes ham on this. I don't know if the intention was for him to to be a dick to the Montreal crowd. I don't know if they predicted this. The the get well Randy thing seems so like so smarmy that I feel like it has to have been meant to be obnoxious. See, that, that's part of my problem. That's part of my problem era. with babyface Randy Orton is that like he's so naturally smarmy, I can't tell when he's trying to be. Yeah, well, that's this era, and I do I don't trust these writers to have any mm. actual intelligent good barometer. For, for whether or not something makes you likable or unlikable. So, mm-hmm. who fucking knows? But at the very least, he seems like he intentionally pivots to to clowning on the crowd for this uh, once they mm-hmm. once he realizes just how much they hate him. And a Montreal screwjob reference that does not 
go over well. Uh, he, he says something about, they say Montreal is the place where they screwed Bret Hart. Well, Montreal is also the place where they screwed Randy Orton and the crowd goes practically ballistic. It is really admirable. Just the house nuclear generator that WWE has set up for itself at, at, at Montreal, Canada, you know, very self-sustaining, very mm-hmm. good at, uh, very, very good at, at creating large amounts of nuclear energy in uh, a very, in a very contained space. Uh, it's only ever had one major meltdown. All the rest have been close calls at best, but Oh boy, yeah. do they harness that heat. Baby. And then he he twists the knife further where after he talks about, you know, this being the town where Randy Orton was screwed. He he mentions that unlike Bret Hart, Randy Orton will be back. Yeah. Oh oh yeah, yeah, that's the that's the other thing too. That that pissed people off something fierce as mm-hmm. as it does. So Which, yeah. Which by the way there is something very funny about all these promos, both like because that's cheap asshole thing to do, but also they all age terribly because Bret Hart has since come back to the company and come back to Montreal. Yeah, yeah, serious. Like this I, is a very there's a very specific thirteen year time frame where you can make these kind of jokes, and <laughs> after that, it's all dated as shit. To be fair, that is a decent amount of time, and I feel like 13 years of, of being gone is decent enough for it to hold up somewhat well, even in retrospect. But it's still mm-hmm. not like... There's a certain fight that Randy is uh, insinuating here that does not scrutiny anymore. Yeah. So then we get Booker T versus The Big Show in a false Count Anywhere match. Yeah. Well... Uh, well... Yes. Just every time, but I, I I have I just have well in my in my notes, and I think that's just going to be my note every time I see yeah. Big Show show up in anything from here. I I feel like so this iconic. was a whole lot of a nothing of a false count anywhere match. Like false count anywhere matches, like a lot of hardcore matches, kind of live and die by like what they actually do with that stipulation. And I don't think I've ever seen a false count anywhere match do so little. Yeah. Like they just kind of fight in the hallway in a hall in a narrow hallway for like 75% of the match. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of fun bits in the hallway. Like Booker T does a bit where he gets a fire extinguisher and uses it on him. Uh, There's a funny bit that pays off later where, like, in the middle of the match, you see Triple H and, and uh, Ric Flair driving a forklift in the background. Yeah. And even yeah, that, that was and a great like, little the visual fuck is that? Everyone's like, yeah. yeah, this is a random, random little bit. I, I thought I thought that was that was entertaining. Mm. Yeah. But then they're otherwise just, like, punching in the hallway, throwing each other into production crates. And yeah. then I mean, I mean, we get it, to the... They're two quite talented performers, but it's like, right. okay, whatever. Not, not a lot's happening here. And then we hit to the, the, the piece de resistance, the, the big finale of the match of they find their way into the women's locker room, which technically you can. It's false count anywhere, after all. And to their credit, the wrestlers don't really comment on any of this. Like they don't act weird. 
And I guess that's a small mercy. Jerry does, because of course he does. Jerry does. But it, Jerry's but at very least he, excited by this. At least they don't get weird. And I guess I have to take small victories when I see them. But they end up fight brawling into not just the locker room, into the showers where Trish Stratus is in the shower. In her in towel. The shower, in the towel, still bathing and is just stuck there in the corner while this happens, looking deeply traumatized. The count out ends up or the, 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 the pinfall ends up happening in the shower. And yeah, because and, Chris Jericho runs in with a steel chair and clocks B- Booker T in the face, and then yeah. and then Big Joe just wins. Big Hands Show gets one, two, the three. dub and they leave. And then Jericho, of course, has to stand there and fucking hit on Trish while she's still covering her naked body with a towel in the women's room locker shower that that was broken into in the course of this match. Ah! Shockingly, this is our eighth and final bookmark of the evening. Yeah, so an extremely unremarkable false count anywhere match, except for the one thing, except for the really creepy ending. Great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then we move on. Uh, We end up getting the payoff to what that that background event of Triple H and Ric Flair at the forklift was about is their grand scheme is to trap uh, half the lumberjacks in the locker room by planting a fey forklift in front of it. Specifically the face lumberjacks who just conveniently all happen to be sharing a locker room that none of the heel lumberjacks are in. Hmm. Yep. Don't think about that too hard. Yeah. I to be fair, I could see mobster LARPing Triple H be actually communicating that to the heels. So it's goofy. But I could mm. see it making some, some semblance of in kayfabe sense. Like he probably sent an email. It's fine. Sure, sure. But that is the explanation for the beginning of the lumberjack match. We are at our main event now. Triple H versus Rob Van Dam. The lumberjacks are out there, and literally nothing but heels. Yeah, it's all bad guy lumberjacks. Uh, the, we, we discover pretty early on the match stipulation is goddamn ridiculous because the leather straps are just there to like wail on the wail on whoever gets thrown out, uh, instead of just throwing them back in and keeping the pace of the matchup. But I see, here's the thing I thought about it and I would be willing to forgive this if they had played their cards right on this one, because this is the big buildup to triple H going in to fight Kane at no mercy and, you know, we get little, little acknowledgements to this. I think it was Lawler said something about how RVD was showing no mercy TM to the game. Like, like we get, oh, that, we get that was uh, JR. That was JR. Okay. Either mm-hmm. we, we get that line and we get RVD thrown out at one point. It just gets yeeted on absolutely by the, by, by the lumberjacks. And at one point we get Triple H thrown out, uh, but the Lumberjacks all just kind of like hug him and cradle him and just lightly put him back in the ring like a fucking beta. Um, 
And and then eventually it does give Rob there. Van Dam an opportunity to dive on all of them, though. Yeah, it it does. Uh, it, which, which which of course we got to get that spot in, and of course uh, at some point all the face guys or face lumberjacks are able to break out and come run in, and they just everyone starts fighting. Messy ending, waka waka. But like, I do find it fun that for as much as we're building Triple H up as this as this absolute monster for Kane to take down, I. I know why, because he's a heel, and it's the early 2000s, so we got to shenanigans our way through this. But this is one of those moments where shenanigans kind of bother me, because I feel like it almost depowers our threat a little bit. Like, seeing Triple H get thrown out, and then just utterly hugboxed by all of the all of the heel lumberjacks, rather than just taking it, or even better, just not letting himself get thrown out in the first place like this is just i i feel like this would this could have been stronger if it were just triple h throwing rvd to the dogs and it's just it's mm-hmm. just him being a complete monster and completely in control the entire time and we do get a still decent sense of that but like still having triple h need the support of all of his buddies to, to kind of protect him and not have to deal with the ramifications of his actions. Like it's, it's, I, I feel, I feel like, I feel like it does take away a little bit of his threat level here going into mm-hmm. when they're so going so hard in the angle of no mercy. I mean, yeah, it's a common criticism of triple H of this point in time is that he's like, this long-term champion of the next two years. And he basically has to cheat to win everything ever. And it's like, God, why? Yeah. And like, again, I get doing the disingenuous heel things, not as how themselves to be, but it seems like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. And still have triple H be this terrifying heel on the merit of his own in-ring prowess. And then they just don't let that, shine a, a lot mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i would agree with that but yeah the match does all kind of break down also of... so earl hebner is reffing yes of course yeah it's so crowd so the crowd boos hebner a couple of yeah. times again nuclear tier heat they they don't they don't they're gonna hold that grudge forever <laughs> into perpetuity so it all breaks down because the baby faces end up getting back, getting um, they they get out of their locker room, and as lumberjack matches are wont to do, it dissolves into a fight with the lumberjack between the lumberjacks, mm-hmm. and then the match goes triple. Rob Van Dam hits the five star frog splash, but there's nobody to count the pin. And in the ensuing chaos, Ric Flair does a drive-by hit to the face with the World Heavyweight title belt to RVD, knocks him out. Then he gets the ref's attention so Triple H can get the easy pin on RVD. One, two, three. That ends the match. But then after the match, Kane comes a-running back because he never left, apparently. Or he left or came back. Who knows? But he is back. And he just beats everybody down. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, he just he's just, he's wrecking house and he's coming for Triple H and they meet in the center of the ring and JR is losing his place. Oh yeah, JR for some reason is going the fuck. I've never heard this man emote past his usual announcer voice. He is losing his mind, frothing anger, utter vitriol toward Triple screaming that he's going to hell like what the hell dude what got you so fired up um as i mentioned to david i feel like this whole bit would have been a lot more effective if this whole katie vick thing wasn't a dark cloud over the entire situation yeah yeah like kane looks like a badass and it's awesome but man, I just keep having to remember this Katie Vick thing, and it's like, well, I don't care as much anymore. Yeah, there was again. We've made it clear there's so many better ways to do this angle, and they just chose the worst possible one to the mm-hmm. the absolute objectively incorrect answer to how the hell do we write this rivalry in particular? Fuck off! And uh, and here's the part where we get to the punt David's game. Hey, Austin, did you notice a trend amongst all the little bookmarks I sent throughout this episode? A lot of, a, a lot of bad writing surrounding women. Yeah, a lot of blatant sexism and on this show, which makes it real goddamn funny that these fuckers are white knighting and pearl clutching so hard over over the, the potential that a woman has been violated by our noble Kane. Holy shit. There is no better example of so many of the things that are wrong with this goddamn company. Especially within this era, the fucking Katie Vick murder and rape storyline. And everyone's like, oh man, this is so heavy. This poor woman, what could have happened? What's going on? And then just surrounding it is just chauvinism all the way down of 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 being sexist and being creepy and being pervy and being of uh, being bigoted toward a lot of uh, points of seeming degeneracy on the on the gender and sexuality spectrum. Man, sure makes all of this read about a zillion times more disingenuous than it already fucking does. Dear God. Deeply, deeply infuriating. Yeah, it's not great. This is this uh, this we're we're we are knee deep in the worst that you could really offer. Absolutely. At this period of time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we haven't even hit in rock bottom yet. Christ. That's next time is rock bottom. Oh God! Well, that means at least the final episode of this arc will be up a lit or at least not as it, not any further down yeah I, I imagine it'll be a very very welcome end okay well good but dear god i can't wait till we're here next time it's gonna be off yep but that is for next time that we are in 2002 uh. But what about our next episode? Well, there is still one more episode left in January. 
And so I figured that our next episode should have a rumble. It should have the Royal Rumble. Oh, shit. Our next episode will be our first ever Royal Rumble match. Uh, Royal Rumble episode of this podcast as we very slyly get this in right at the end of January as we will be watching ah. the Royal Rumble 2008. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. Yep. Uh, but that is for next time. Until then, David, hit our plugs. Yes, sir. My friends, my dear, dear friends, thank you so much for slugging through with us on this particular episode of Noobs and Knockouts podcast. We are so delighted to have you with us, even on the worst of days for this fucking show. Uh, we hope you've had, uh, you know, the closest thing you can get approximated a great time with this one. Uh, if you're a returning listener, viewer, what have you, thank you so much for once again welcoming us back into your eardrums, your eyeballs, what have you. Uh, we hope we hope you continue to join us week after week as you've been doing so and just continue to have a good time with us. If you are a first-time listener, viewer, what have you, I'm so sorry, but welcome. We are so delighted that you decided to join us even in this week. What uh, a time to jump in this jump, jump what in. What a time to jump in. Uh, please, God, nobody jump in with us in a month. Um, uh, but either way. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast like to think we are welcoming to both noobs and knockouts alike. So whether you're a veteran of the wrestling fandom or you're brand new to this whole wild, wacky, you're welcome here. We hope you're having a great time here. If you would like to keep having a great time with us and you're not trying to do so, well, not to worry, my friends. I have you covered. First of all, you can find us on YouTube the noobs and knockouts on youtube hit subscribe ring that bell make sure to turn some nice little salad colors so you get notifications every single time we drop a brand new episode uh like comment add us to your playlist check out our uh austin has been kind enough to organize all of the arcs that we do into their own separate playlist so if you want to focus on a specific storyline arc era whatever uh you can find those nice and organized that haven't without having to jump around a whole lot. Also, most recent episodes, you can see our lovely, beautiful faces and uh, and our brand new, awesome, color-coded setup for the Noobs and Knockouts podcast, so you can come watch us gesticulate and watch poor David bear head in his hands whenever things frust. We're, it's, it's, it's a good time if you like that little extra little spicy visual element, so come join us there. Mm -hmm. uh, if you like the audio-only experience, of course, you can find us on three of the best places to find your podcast, which are Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Come give us a listen, download, um, uh, rate us, review us. Uh, I know Spotify just added the the review or the, the the rate you could drop us a five-star rating on there uh that'd be much obliged whatever the hell you do on google and apple Podcasts, rate review whatever uh just anything to tell us that you know you'll you kind of like the show that you listen to and maybe more people should should like it too it gives a nice little algorithm bump so please uh come listen to us there give us those downloads and you know if, you, if you're feeling so inclined give us a little bit of a rating too it helps that a wee bit uh uh, you can also get in some direct act with us on various places on the interwebs. First and foremost, of course, is our Twitter account. We are at NoobsNoxPod on Twitter. That's at Noobs, the letter N, NoxPod on Twitter. We drop dank memes. We engage with the broader wrestling fandom on a whole. Uh, we post every single time we drop a new episode, so you all know what the hell's going on around here. Uh, and, of course, the highlight of our Twitter is Weekly Wrestling Live. My friend, what is on the docket coming up? 
course, as usual, every uh, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on TBS, we have AEW Dynamite. Boom, boom. The one wrestling show I'm guaranteed to watch live every week. So let's go ahead and live tweet about it. Uh, And occasion, David David also is willing to jump in sometimes uh, when I am unavailable. In addition, we also will cover live tweet the AEW, WWE, and Impact Wrestling pay-per-views. And upcoming, uh, January 29th, we have the Royal Rumble 2022, my favorite gimmick match of the year. One of my favorite WWE shows every single year. Uh, In the Royal Rumble, 30 men enter. One man or woman leaves with a world title match at WrestleMania. This year we will have third. We have the thirty-man r- men's rumble and the thirty-woman women's rumble. Uh, we have Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. Becky Lynch versus Dewdrop for the Raw Women's Championship. Edge and Beth Phoenix versus The Miz and Maurice in a mixed tag team match, and Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. Bangers all around. That's going to be a good time. Uh, Then next for AEW, upcoming on March 6th, will be AEW Revolution. Uh, That will be available on pay-per-view, Bleacher Report, and some select movie theaters. But uh, that is way too far out for there to be any real matches or anything to discuss. So we will continue to talk about it every week, but until we, but until there's some real stuff to talk about, that's about all we're going to say about it. Uh, then, addition for Impact Wrestling, their next pay per view is Impact Rebellion on April twenty third, twenty twenty two. Again, Impact and AEW only do four pay per views a year, so you know there's a long stretch of time until we get back to uh, Impact Wrestling, but. That will be available on traditional pay-per-view and Fight TV. Those are the shows are always a good time. And uh, I always have a lot of fun uh, live-tweeting them. Yeah, uh, so be sure to check that all, all out. It's a great time. Uh, both Austin and I, we like to thank mm-hmm. our, our live-tweeting prowess. Good. I think we're a pretty good time to spend your time uh, watching wrestling with, even if it's in a digital-only format. So come check us out on there. Of course, also, we have our email account. You can find us at our Gmail account, noobsandknock at gmail.com. That's noobs, the word and this time, knockoutspod at gmail.com. Come say what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like, uh, recommendations, requests of stuff you want to see, future on the show, future arcs, future companies, just general wrestling adjacent one-off media that you dig up whatever we, we we'd just love to hear it come start discourse with us yell at us for our hot tags whatever the hell you're feeling just come say hi we love people saying hi we would love to say hi back so uh if you if you want to get in more long form contact with us you can find us noobs and knockouts pod at, at gmail.com and we also have a patreon account we are also the noobs and knockouts podcast on patreon one dollar a month early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode see y'all next time Hasta luego.